I'm Jason. And I'm Jules. And we doing filmographies. Keith Gordon's 12th film credit that yep. we can get our hands on. And boy, when you think about the phrase, blink and you miss it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is, uh, I was so embarrassed last night when you sent me the text and you're like, oh man, I almost didn't even catch Keith. And I knew that you were like at least 15 minutes behind me on watching it. Yeah, you said you were about 30, 40. Right. And when you were talking about Keith, I was like, what? Yeah. I missed him? How did I miss him? Yeah. And then you ran me through it and I rebounded and I was like, holy shit. It's about a two hour and four minute movie. Uh Uh-huh. He's in it for almost literally 10 seconds. Yeah. And you kind of thought, like, well, he's got a name. He's talking. And he's a photographer. Surely. <laughs> At some point, they're going to be down on their luck. And they're going to need to call somebody to, 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 you know, bail them out or give them a ride or a place to lay low. And in some form or another, that's a true statement. It, it just ain't Andy. No. You got? Are you ready to rock on the synopses? Am I doing it? Yeah. Oh, because your phone is... I I got it back, but it seemed like you were ready. This uh, is from actually 1994. So it's been eight years since we've seen Keith Gordon. KG. Big old KG. Worn down Peter Brackett, played by Nick Nolte, and ambitious Sabrina Peterson, played by Julia Roberts, are reporters working for rival newspapers assigned to cover a train derailment the two journalists meet at the scene and immediately can't stand each other. But when they suspect a deadly government conspiracy behind the crash, the two rivals work together to break the story. While they expose corrupt scientists and butt heads every step of the way, Peter and Sabrina's competitive tiffs turn into romance. This movie's a movie. Here's food for thought. Well, first, I guess they um, originally approached Harrison Ford to play the Nick Nolte role, and then Warren Beatty. Uh, They ultimately ended up with Nick Nolte, who in the 70s and 80s was known as a bit of a masculine macho man. He was kind of like a Burt Reynolds, right? But I think he's a better actor. Oh, absolutely. Right? And And seeing him in the 70s, he was attractive. I feel like most of his heat early on, and this is from people who don't know the Nolte thing, really. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's Rich Man, Poor Man. That miniseries was a huge deal. I suppose so, yeah. I mean, I know him more from 48 Hours. But that's a while later. So I feel like Rich Man, Poor Man, the deep North Dallas 40 maybe, mm-hmm. cemented him around this time. So it's like Cape Fear mm-hmm. and Prince of Tides in the same year. And then you get I Love Trouble. Was this 94, you said? 94, yeah. I think this is kind of the end of... Whatever Nolte was before this, I he's, think it's gone. Yeah, he's not a sex guy anymore. No. He's he's not very attractive in this movie. He's not at all, I don't think. Because we're introduced to him like making out with a lady in a yeah. convertible. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed meeting him. So here's food for thought, if you will. Nick Nolte was 49 in this movie. Julia Roberts, 23. Oh, she's 23 in this? Yeah. Oh, wow. She looks great. Absolutely. Oh, well, I thought she was like an 80s person. No, I mean, if I'm doing my math. Mystic, when did Mystic Pizza come out? That must be after the 80s are over. She was born in 1967. Oh, this is 94? Yeah. She can't be 23 if it's 67. I think we're like 27. We said that it was 94? 
27. You're right. So Nobody even can trust still, you when you do these things. They don't. You, and they should. It's the Matrix all over again. And that's what I'm trying to get to. The Matrix. But even still, late 20s, if this movie ends, as is, the way the movie ends, if that is then the tra- trajectory of the rest of their lives, boy, she got the short end of the stick. Well, was, there's like, there was a sitcom, was it maybe Grace Under Fire? Some, some, sitcom where like the 17 or 18 year old kid is dating like a 43 year old woman and it's like quentin i don't know if it was him i just remember watching it it's like yeah they have like a nice relationship they like each other Mm -hmm. in 20 years that person's probably going to be borderline wearing diapers and you're just going to be in your mid-30s that's you you really can't do this he's on his way out she's on her way up even like 40 and 60 is crazy. And I remember this most about the movie, because I am familiar with it, although I never saw it, primarily because a portion of it was filmed in Madison, a small portion. But I mean, I, I recognize the Orpheum Theater, the, the steakhouse that they come out of, that isn't familiar. But across the street, there was a jazz club, which isn't in this movie. And at one point, I see my old bank in the background. It's shaped like a, it's glass, it's shaped like an old cash register. Really? Yeah, it's a U.S. bank. Right when they show the, the 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 Capitol, there's one building popping up in the background on the right side of the frame, and that's the old uh, U.S. bank that I went to. And yeah, it's look it up, man. It's a glass <laughs> building that is actually shaped like a cash register. So I remember I remember that being a thing at the time because there were a number of movies that were filmed there while I was living there. I think it was just because they did a really good. Tax credit incentive. Pretty much always the reason, huh? They filmed um, Public Enemies there because it actually does take place there. So the movie starts with good old-fashioned America. They call Is it called Green Lake, the town, the farm town, where Clark Gregg? Mm-hmm. Clark? Is that Agent Coulson? Yeah. I don't hate people, but I hate when people have... Two first names? Yeah. I mean, I guess I had... I'm so smart that I knew that's where you were going with that. You are, because it just makes it difficult to remember. I think it's Clark Gregg. Yeah, I think in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Clark Gregg? I think so. Okay. So they're on a farm. Stop yelling at me. <laughs> and Slipping there's a microfiche into the pen. There's a funeral. The movie starts, we're in the heartland. It's called Green Lake or something, but it's. I think it's really filmed in Kenosha. Uh, and there's a funeral. A guy's dead. And Clark Gregg is there, and he then goes home and he starts packing frantically. Right? He's got a pen. He takes out of a box. Is this the funeral for the old guy? Yeah, his dad. It was his dad? Uh-huh. Who was a, a chemist. We don't know what's going on. We just see him frantically packing a pen, believe an envelope, and he puts it in a briefcase with a gun. 38 snubnose. Mr. Saturday Night. And so he then rushes to catch the Badger Line train, which isn't real, to go to Madison? I don't know where he's going. He he passes a, a newlywed couple. He bumps into the dad taking the film and the, the groom. We can hear quite audibly, even though he's now several feet away. Nice camera work, Dad. He also be like, uh, what, he also makes a comment about how they won't be in touch. You know, like implying they're going to be busy fucking. That guy, I... I was thinking that guy might be all right for doing for this podcast. This groom? I think he's like quite a bit. I reckon. So, yeah, yeah. He seems like a nice guy. I just started following him on Instagram last night. Oh, good for you. Good for him. He deserves it. So Clark Gregg is about to get on the train, and there's a bunch of kids that 
they really hammer home are not on the last car. Don't get on this car because this is where all the children are. Go to the last car is what this uh, mysterious, spooky, thin, older man tells Greg Clark. James Rebhorn, who's uh, battling battling the cancer that will eventually kill him during the filming of this. He's, he's 1992, yes. He seems like a George H.W. Bush kind of guy. Do you not recognize him? I do, but was he in Jurassic Park? I don't think so. I don't know. He was in a gabillion things, though. Like, I was immediately like, oh, yeah, that guy's best. Yeah, I recognize him. He's like a James Cromwell. Yeah, he does. You know what I mean? We need a a thin, tall... Oh, he's in the game. He's like the the face of the game in the movie The Game. He's in The Rapper? The Game? No, The Game with Michael Douglas. Oh, the David Fincher movie with... Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. And Michelle Pfeiffer? No. Kirstie Allen? No. (laughs) I don't know who, but... Gwyneth Paltrow. Is it Gwyneth Paltrow? I bet you. I'll bet you money. I was also thinking one of Paltrow, but then she's also in that other... David Fincher. Michael Douglas movie, where she's like the jilted wife. Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up right now. It's taking you a while. Deborah Cara Unger. I don't care about her. What? She was uh, gorgeous. That doesn't make her a good person. That's the thing we're being. This is it's <laughs> Hollywood. So he gets on the last train, and it derails. Not yet. The second he steps on it... Eventually. goes flying sideways, kills him. Because then it cuts to Chicago. And we see Nick Nolte fresh off of having sex with a woman. She's dropping him off at work. Um, it could have just been kissing. Could have been, but it seems like... I mean, who is going to abscond with a random person to do some kissing and then go to work? True. And then he signs a book for her, because he wrote a book. Uh, he was an ace reporter that's now a journal, uh, an author. He was a journalist, now he's an editorialist in Chicago. For one of the two Chicago newspapers that they mention in this movie. Which I actually love that there's two of them. There are two different staffs. Uh, I, I mean, they're, are they real newspapers? I don't think so. Is one of them the Tribune? Is one of them the Chicago Sun-Times? Is one of them the Chicago Post? It's the Chicago Post. <laughs> Whatever. He's going into work, and everybody's like, hey, Peter. Do you think it's weird that his first name is Peter and her last name is Peterson? I never thought about it. This movie... Kind of seems like maybe you just choose something different. Because he's calling her Peterson a lot. Whatever. I would say for the majority of this movie, I just kind of stared at them and watched them. I didn't yeah. really absorb any plot. Well, and it's... it's So, I'm sorry. Before I got into the whole bank tirade, uh, of which I'm still fuming over. The one thing I remember about this movie, having not seen it previously, is that they notoriously hated each other while filming it. Let me ask you, who do you think is responsible for them not getting along? Nick Nolte. Yeah, I think Nick Nolte. He's probably, he's a real fucking weirdo, man. Because she didn't like his macho shit. And I think, I don't know, maybe he was like threatened by her. Well, I mean, he's kind of on his way out. He, I think he ends up doing like some pretty amazing work later. Yeah, absolutely. When he's officially an old man. Much like Burt Reynolds, right? It was all <laughs> rumors that he was kind of a dick. I don't think they're rumors. It's like everybody's real hush hush. Is a real fucking asshole. <laughs> it's an un, un, unverified Hollywood rumor. He was so mean to Paul Thomas Anderson. Because he thought it was beneath him. Yeah. And like, it wasn't. This is the best thing that you will ever make. You're beneath the movie, yeah. to be honest. But he's dead. Go do cop and a half, fucko. Yeah, right. So I, I mentioned what I was saying before I was rudely interrupted. Yeah, the hate each other. Initially, this was meant to be more. And you see this. Close to closer to the tail end of the movie. You're absolutely correct, boy. First, it was meant to be like 
a throwback. Because there is a movie called I Love Trouble from 1938. That is not the same plot. It's not the same plot at all. But it's, it's, so it's meant to sort of be like this, uh, golden era comedy, screwball, sexy romp thing. Bob Hope and some lady get stranded in the woods and have to make right. it out. And they couldn't stand each other. Yeah. And, and as the movie goes on, yeah, they, they really had, they, they brought in body doubles. I felt like, I never really picked up on that watching that. I thought they seemed perfectly fine together. I mean, I when they, they had some... when they kiss, there's no... Sure. But that isn't emblematic of this one scenario. There's tons of movies where there just isn't chemistry. So yeah, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought watching it that in a majority of the movie, in the later half especially, that he's not talking to Julia Roberts. Yeah. They do a really good job of almost showing whoever the person is doing their body doubling. It isn't, it isn't incredibly obvious. There are moments where from afar, it's not Julia Roberts, but, but they're close and they're comfortable enough with the distance where they're not hiding her face. Mm-hmm. It's not a Bella Lugosi kind of thing. Yeah. And it's a shame because this could have been a much better movie. So we meet Nick Nolte. He's going to his office and he's trying to duck Robert Logia, right? Is that how you pronounce his name? Logia. Robert Logia. Logia? Logia. I thought it was Logia. It is Robert Logia. Oh, it's Logia. I'm being silly. It is Logia. It's Logia. Okay. And a a horse jockey in full jockey gear. Did you you notice that? What? In his office. McNulty doesn't want to go into his office because Nora Dunn is in there. Robert Logia is circling around. She's his publicist, I think. I wasn't sure why. I thought he was just hiding him from him because he ditched out on the... uh... Leave it. He did, but for some reason, there's a fucking jockey in the office with her. Well, there's a very important story they're working on. You you bring people to your office, right, instead of going where they are. I guess. So he calls them from the phone booth in the building, and he's like, "I'm sick or something." And she's like, "You had sex with that woman, didn't you?" And he's like, mm. "I think you're the Fargo pussy breaker." In fact, throughout the rest of this movie, there are going to be women throwing themselves at me for no discernible reason. I said, hold on, I wrote, I gotta know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's a line from later on in the movie. Whoa, daddy, look what just walked in. Yeah. 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 That was pretty good. It was an odd character. We'll get to it. I remember who fucking said it. I just <laughs> For some reason, she reminded me of, um, God, what is that actor's name? Rosamund, Rosa, Rosamund Pike? Gone Girl? And uh, Jack Reacher, the Tom Cruise movie. Okay. Not Reacher? Not Reacher. I like that movie, Reacher. that show. Yeah, it's mo- I couldn't. Yeah, the second Jack Reacher movie was awful. That's what they say. I couldn't make it through the first one. Anyways, the movie we are talking about, yes. but haven't really been talking about for the last half hour. I love. You know. Do you, you know? Do you want to know something about me? Me? I do. I love trouble. Do you? I like the idea of trouble. Uh, you know, basically, what's happening is the train derails, and um, there's nobody to cover it. So yeah. Frank Logia, who's a little irritated by uh, Nick Nolte, who's smoking cigars everywhere he goes, and it's fucking irritating. You can do that back then. And he does. Oh, well, how many more years later until they start phasing that out? Boy. Five, six years? Mm, yeah. I think we're talking about like 98. When they start together. suing you for getting cancer and they aren't even smokers. Right. Everybody smokes where they are. So they're like, Nick, go cover it. And he's like, yeah, all right, fine. Whatever. He gets there. Um, he does a real cursory coverage, but then he notices walking through, um, spark debris, Julia Roberts. He's like, is she 23? God damn. I hope she's not 29. I hope she's not 27. 28. It's borderline. 
anything older than that stoner in the town squares <laughs> and and it is at this point yes that we get <laughs> what might be my favorite keith gordon performance it's it's i was actually really excited when i watched it two or three times. he looks in good spirits good health right he's popping he's popping he's like he's bringing that big budget movie energy nick nolte goes hey andy who's that lady does he call me andy he does that was his name he does because he's a photographer he must be um or maybe not his but you know from freeland yeah i'm really sure he's been around part of their pool and in fact they they utilize that shorter brooklyn kind of character remember that guy what are you he's shorter he's like a brooklyn guy um, I forget his name. He's in the movie more than Keith. Milos Foreman? It, it very well could be. Oh, that guy. Yeah, what Remember? is up with that he's kind of, guy? Kind of he's exactly hat. who you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. There's one scene where they're walking up the stairs and he's like talking about something and the guy's like, well, it's not as bad as it could be. And they're supposed to then part ways at the top of the stair. And you could see the guy like kind of look at the camera. Like, are they going to call cut? Do I just keep walking? What's my mark? It's like, God damn you. So we, we get Gordo. Ten seconds, man. Andy, who's that? What, the police car? Yeah. Third guy to ask me about her. Uh, i never seen her before, but I hear she's working for the Globe. The story behind this, effectively it's a cameo, but I don't think he anybody knew who he was enough to call him. No, it. yeah, it's not like, oh shit, it's Keith Gordon's in this. I haven't seen him in eight years. Remember Combat High? I missed the whole thing because I was... On IMDb, looking up uh, all the people who died if they were yeah. in the movie. Callie was saying goodnight at that point, and I just happened to glance at the screen, and I was like, it's the Gordo! Oh, otherwise, I would have missed him, and boy, if I'd have gone watch the whole fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that, I would have just tried to have YouTubed it. God, it's not going to be on YouTube. Absolutely not. <laughs> and then he walks off. So he's in this because he wanted to give Nick Nolte the script to his next directorial project, Mother Night, which apparently Nignolti's agent had already passed on. Oh, really? He's like, this isn't, this is not Nignolti material. Basically, he's too big for this movie. No, it's a great choice, because this is what Nignolti does shortly after this. A lot of smaller things that are character work and interesting. And, and maybe that's coming off of this, this movie that he saw the writing on the wall. And was like, you know, maybe at the end, people sided with Julia. And they were like, yeah, Nick Nolte's the, the trouble on this one. What I feel like Affliction must have come out in like 99. Mm-hmm. And he looks a million years older mm-hmm. by the time he does that. And he's killing it. Yeah. He's very good in Affliction. I mean, he's not a bad actor. I think some of that, like in uh, 48 Hours, he's a little racist. I don't want to hear your jive. Well, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? It's the script, right? It's not improv. I'm not saying, yeah, the character. Okay. You know, there's a comfortability with calling him a spook or something, you know. A spook for black people? Yeah. What is that? What does that even mean? I don't know. So he sidles up to her while they're doing question and answering with the railroad folk. And he sees her notes and he's like, oh, don't ask that question. It's your first day, right? Hot stuff. And she's just like, dude, you are a creeper. Get away from me. You seem, you seem like you've been drinking since seven. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to do that. Oh, so it's your second day then? So she asked the question and I don't know. It doesn't like blow up in her face or anything. No. It's fine. So then he goes back. Calls in the story. God, there's a lot of plots in this movie. It is too much. So <laughs> we have so much more to go. So he calls in the story, and they're like, "Fine, are you sure that's everything?" And he's like, "Yeah." 
she goes back to the office and she starts digging into the guy that serviced the train because it seems like maybe he's a drunk. She starts cold calling yep. all the people with the same last name. Guys. And eventually gets the, the the wife or the sister. His mom. I'm his mother. Was she a plant? Because there's some plants. Because the guy eventually shows up and he's like, that booze in my locker was planted. Yeah. I wasn't drinking. And I had money? He had money or something? Why would there be a plant there? They're not expecting people to cold call about the... It seems like they really... It seems like it's a deep state conspiracy. <laughs> it's going all the way to the top. For no reason. And it is not that at all. Because do we find out what happened to Clark Gregg's wife and children? No. It, Clark Gregg's wife has been replaced with Marla Hooch. For, yeah. From A League of Their Own, right? Shut so she gets the scoop on him. Everybody's reading the paper. Everybody's like snickering behind Peter's back at the office, even though it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. And it becomes the story battle. Yeah. So now he's in the game again. So they're battling back and forth and it's, it's a ratings bonanza. Mm-hmm. Cause, Cause this is back when uh, people would buy newspapers. Yeah. Not only did they buy newspapers, they bought them from men in little wooden newspaper stands. On the street. They don't have those anymore, right? They do not. They do not. Maybe in New York? I would like to think so, but probably not. I mean, they don't even... Do they still, like, push hot dog carts downstairs? To this day, I don't know why we did it. (laughs) So, that's the next 20 minutes of the movie. You know, they're at a party, and they keep scooping each other. Eventually, Nick Nolte tricks her into a wild goose chase. Yeah, that's kind of funny. He eventually gets the scoop on Clark Gregg's wife. Because he's going through bit by bit each person on the train. Who are they? What are they? What is this? Right? And he catches wind that Clark Gregg had a wife. (laughs) She's the secret wife? It's secret. So he goes to her. And she's like, even though I invited you here, Nick Nolte, I can't talk. Come to my office at 9 p.m. It's safe there. Don't bring anybody. Don't bring a gun because it's already safe. And he, he even tests her a little bit. She gives him the address and he... Reads it back to her wrong. She goes, no, no. 64. And Julia Roberts shows up as well. And that was Marla Hooch from League of Their Own. Who I did not buy as Clark Craig's wife. She's way out of his league. Are you kidding me? He's in the League of Their Own. Good night, folks. So he goes to the office, and it's like an old-timey elevator with the needle that tells you what's what floor it's on. It's like, are they going into the Empire State Building? What the fuck's going on here, right? So I think we should acknowledge that Clark Gregg has uh, aged really well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he looks younger. He looks young, but but he looks great now. Boy, yeah. He looks like maybe 10 years older. Mm-hmm. It's bad. How much of that do you think is like that Marvel magic they use? Dude, I... You think they use it on him? No, I don't think there is any Marvel magic. I think there's Hollywood magic in which people eat clean diets, and they exercise regularly, and they uh, keep their bodies looking good because that is how they make their money. You sweet... Sweet, innocent fool. You don't think they got portions? I think they got computers. What do you... Well, for fixing the image up? Yeah. Oh. Have you seen a recent picture of Tom Cruise with his shirt off? Oh, no. <laughs> Pretty good? I remember seeing yeah. uh, Stallone without a shirt like 15 years ago. and be like, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. what? He's like ripped, but it's old man skin yeah. and veins. And I mean, they just... Yeah, they, they de-age... People now. Well, I think they're doing that to fucking. Well, that's why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So they show up at this place and they're in the Great. elevator together. I'm trying to do the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets into the elevator. 
He notices a weird thing where, like... Dude, sometimes these movies are long and they suck and then you gotta fucking relive them for the exact same amount of time. I'm gonna go... I'm gonna keep it... A little sad. I'm gonna do some brevity here. They get into the elevator. She shows up because apparently she got the same scoop. Yeah. Right? And the elevator stops. Now, it's an old fucking elevator. And immediately... The Russian falls from the compartment dead. Not yet. Immediately... <laughs> elevator stops, lights go out. Now, if that were me, I'd be like, oh, great. But it's Julia Roberts, so she goes... I suggest we get out of here as fast as we can. Why? Women's intuition. Peterson, tell me if you think we're in some kind of trouble here. Bracket, I think we're in some kind of trouble here. They start climbing out of the elevator for no real good reason. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. That's how you die. You're supposed to stay in that elevator. Plus, he hoists her up, and then he climbs out. I don't think Nick Nolte um, in 49 has the upper body strength to pull himself out of an elevator. I get winded going from the basement to the second floor. Yeah, as you should. Break. And so they start climbing the ladder, and then the elevator starts working. And they're acting as if it's going to kill them. It seems like it might. In no way would it. Doesn't it kill the Russian? No, he falls. From where? The the skylight. Yeah, but he's already dead. Didn't the elevator crush him against the top? Isn't that what what happened to him? Sweet Jason. Let you get to it? You are. (laughs) I love you, but you're adult. Yeah, he choked on those Tic Tacs? <laughs> no. So... You're, I had two beers. I'm sorry. The elevator is moving up. They're trying to get out of the skylight. Elevators don't go all the way to the top, typically. That's just not how they're normally designed. There's usually enough space um, so that you can at least lie down. Have you not seen Die Hard? Okay. Well, so they the elevator thrusts them through the skylight, and he lands on top of her, and then a guy starts shooting at them. Yeah. So they start running. And they're running around on the rooftop. And I think they just make a circle. Yeah, because right? they end up back in the elevator. Go back to the elevator. And they start climbing down into it. And the guy starts shooting. Now, the elevator's moving at this point. It's probably uh, between where he is and where the elevator is. It's probably about three or four floors. So he starts climbing down the ladder. And Nick Nolte turns off the lights from the elevator that somehow turns off the lights in the elevator shaft. And the guy... I don't think so. Yeah, and he falls from the ladder. He drops his gun. Because it got dark? Yes. <laughs> yes. He's climbing down the ladder. The lights go out. Somehow he's controlling the lights from inside the elevator. Right. Because there's just a switch. That's magic. And the guy first drops his gun. Yeah. And then, boom, and he crashes through. And he's dead. And they leave. That's a pretty bad assassin. And I think at this point they then go to Clark Gregg's house. Greg Clark? Clark Gregg. They go to his house. Griswold? I'm just going to call him CJ from now on, even though it's CG. That'll help me remember that it's Clark Gregg. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the house is ransacked. They left in a hurry. Um, Nick Nolte finds a Christmas card, which uh, reveals that whatever her name was, wasn't his real wife. Marla Hoochie. Hoochie. And Julia Roberts finds a birdcage that has a newspaper in the bottom of it. From the town in Wisconsin, where Clark Gregg was at the funeral, with a section missing. They lie to each other, say they don't have anything, and Julie Roberts starts weeping. I'm going to get out of this game. I'm so scared. Yeah. He's like, baby, if you leave, I'm going to leave, too. Maybe. It's too much like sling blade when I try to do no Yeah. <laughs> and so, of course, they're lying. Julia Roberts is on a plane, and there's a bald guy. And at first, he's reading the paper, so you think, oh, it's Nick Nolte. Oh, no. He's it's not bald. Yeah, he's got a... The, the paper's up. But Nick Nolte's not bald. Right. The paper is up, 
Okay. So you think it's Nick Nolte. But as soon as he lowers the paper... You're like, this guy ain't got no fucking hair. Right. That ain't Nick Nolte. I am not confused. <laughs> is, he wearing, is this a disguise? Yep. But Nick Nolte then comes on the plane, and Julia Roberts sees him in her compact. And then she does this little cute face thing, which uh, made me fall in love with her. Yeah. And Nick Nolte comes over, and of course, hey, Baldy, you're in my seat. Do you think she go out with us? Simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> Together, we might make close to enough of a man that she might find interesting. Maybe. You know. We just talk to a girl. It's a wide margin. And then we pull our resources. Uh, yeah. Hey, Julia. We, we liked you in I Love Trouble. I can't grab your back. And I thought you were cute there. So they decide, hey, let's team up. Yeah. And, of course, they're not teaming up. Like we would team up today, Julia Roberts. Right. She steals his wallet. Yeah. Finds the Christmas card. First off, it's almost like an attaché case. This thing is fucking... They have bigger pockets. It's big enough to have a large Christmas card just (laughs) inserted into it. You know what it is, because they had checks. Hey, our website could be big wallet (laughs) doctors. Open yours and feed ours. So she steals his wallet, notices the card. He goes through her stuff and finds the newspaper clipping. She comes back. Oh, is this your wallet on my chair? Must have flown out of your pocket. And uh, they reveal that they, they had, in fact, been sort of lying to each other. Yeah. But now they're on the up and up. Yeah. So they rent a Mercedes once they get to Wisconsin. They don't have those there. No. That's what I thought. And it's a fucking late 90s Mercedes, so it just looks like a LeBaron. And they then go to town. And I think, again, it's revealed... That's when she calls him out for having the Christmas card. What about Beekman's Christmas card? And he's like, oh, I'm out of here. I don't need to work with you. And then he comes back like, hey, we, sh- we should work. T- I'm sorry. So they do some sleuthing. And they find a... Oh, wait. Did she get approached? She gets approached by those rock and roll kids. Is this Miss Peterson from the Globe? Because they stole the briefcase from the train. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it looks important. And my friend says that you guys pay for information like this. Was this a long time ago? Quite a bit ago. Yeah. She goes to meet them to buy the briefcase. Kids. Because they're listening to Lenny Kravitz, uh, are you going to go my way? No, there. That's what's blasting on the radio. I swear to God. Oh, that song can't I swear to God. At least. It, it, the credit, I mean, I'm hearing the song for one, but the subtitles, yeah. That's when I learned how trite the lyrics for that, that song is. Here's the songs. And that's the song. Yeah. So she finds one of them dead. He's got a bullet in his head. That's, um, Jesus. James. Spader? James Kiwi Wills or something like that. Oh. Kimi. James Kimi Wills? Okay. James Kimo Wills. He was in Empire Records, The Dow of Steve. Which Steve's on? Donald Lowe. Donald Lowe. Is Steve's on in Mystic Pizza? I don't know. Well, whatever. The rock and roll guy's dead. Right. He ends to fall out right at her. He's a terrible actor. He is uh, very bad. Did you notice him moving? Have you seen The Dow? Have you seen The Dow of Steve? No. You might want to rent that before you call this a bad performance, because... Oh, he's a corpse, but he's visibly moving. <laughs> when he falls with her to the floor, she starts to scramble, and you can... He moves... He moves. Like, he's like, oh, shit, am I on Julia Roberts' leg or something? Am I fucking this scene up? And, I mean, it, it's the worst dead role. <laughs> I've ever seen. He's got very few credits, man. And he's got FD or something written on his hand. Whatever that stuff is. So then they find out, yeah, they find the chemical that Clark Gregg's dad makes. LSD. Kind of LSD you like. Yes. Boy, 
And they're like, what is that? What is that? What is that? He's like, I don't know. Right. Some book out. But she's like the dead guy's hand. It was written on there or whatever. It's a hormone that basically takes cows. It makes them fully milk producing mature bovines. But it's cancer milk. Nine months after birth, as opposed to, I don't know, 18 years. He's like, I got a friend who's a senatorial aide for a senator that's lobbying for this drug. We should go talk to him in the capital of Madison. It's right next to this bank that's shaped like a cash register. Not one for one, but if you squint, you'll see it. Normally it takes a calf two years to mature into a milk-producing cow, right? So Chess figured, why wait that long taking care of a calf? It's not making any money, so they invent this hormone, LDF. That's where we meet... Uh, Saul Rubinek. Rubinek, yeah. Who's a good guy. I like him. In, in, in life. Yeah. I can't, re- like, I've seen him in a billion things. Mm-hmm. I can't, so I think he's always this guy. And I can't to varying degrees. Any of the movies that he's been in. Is he not in Oceans? I don't know. Well, he's, he's, no, you're thinking of, are you thinking of, uh, Ellie Cooper? Probably. He's in that, um, Al Pacino Jewish killing Nazis TV show. Uh, the Hunters. Yeah. I didn't even see the whole pilot. He's you in the whole season? No, no. I watched the first one or two and I said, Callie, you're on your own. That's a bad show. It's that show's bad right away. It's bad. Yeah. It's super bad. Yeah. I think they well, I don't want to get into What's it. What's that? That was Peel? Jordan Peel? In it? No, oh, didn't he didn't he produce it or something? Oh god, did he? That sucks. They're in the they're and they're actually in the Madison Capitol building. And Saul's like, oh, I don't know what that is. I'll Talk to the senator. And they go have dinner. And then after that, he's like, what are you writing about? This is weird. Why are you into this thing? And he's like, I don't know, whatever. And somebody almost kills them. Almost runs them over. Yeah, that's really dumb. That's <laughs> probably James Rebhorn. He's like, why? Why did they almost kill me? And they're like, I don't know. Don't worry about it. They go back to the hotel. And Nick Nolte's peeping out of her. Yeah. Reading his book, laughing. And she turns in her, in her robe. Exposes her thigh. Yeah. Her lip. Yes. And he's like, well, that was nice. But he's like, I-, I can't. I'm a gentleman. She then gets up and hears him doing something. He's whistling. As soon as he moves away from the, the people, he starts whistling. So she starts beeping. Yeah. And he's getting naked in the bathroom. And she's like, oh, what? And then he turns around. Giant. I mean. I thought you couldn't show a hard dick and move. It wasn't distasteful, but then she comes next door because I guess they're plan because they saw the blonde technician or whatever she was at the institute laboratory place when they were getting a tour so they're like julia roberts goes into the bathroom and it's real like girl talky when they're all talking about where they're gonna go and try to get laid and Mm -hmm. she leaves her badge this is where we get the look at this hunk of beauty that yeah so julia roberts comes next door and she's Looking good in a little black dress. Her hair's weird, but yes. Yeah. But it seems like she's a little, um, she's feeling a little amorous after seeing his wang dang. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of coming on to him a little bit. And he's just like, I want you to know, I don't, I'm not interested in you. He, he's trying to be respectful. He's not picking up on, cause he's apparently an idiot. I don't, I don't see you as anything but a newspaperman, he says to her. And she's like, erection gone. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. <laughs> So they go to the bar, and she goes in first, sidles up next to the blonde, who again I thought was Rosamund Pike, but clearly it's not, and they're just being gals. Oh, that lady does look like somebody. 
Yes. Jenna, Jenna Elfman? Oh. <laughs> she looks vaguely like this lady that was on Lost, but I don't think that's her. She shows up, she turns around, uh, and she's like, yeah, look at this smoke show coming in. That's not, that's not what they say. No, but it's the sentiment. It's, whoa, whoa daddy. daddy. Look what, what just, just walked in. And why would you say, whoa, daddy? And he's walking in just cock of the walk. Immediately locks eyes with her. And Julia Roberts is like, oh, you think he's like super hot? Like you go right there and she's like, yeah. And he's just like, yo. And he walks up and he sidles up next to her on the other side. He's like, yo, girl. She's like, can I buy you a drink? He's like, yes, you may. My name is Adam or Charles or something. I'm David. <laughs> I'm horny. And she's like, you want to dance? And he's like, yeah. So they start bumping and grinding. And at this point, some guy comes up to Julia Roberts and she's like, fuming she's so jealous right now it's like where did this come from right am i wrong she's like super jealous now and then and i'm just like i don't know well i mean i think she thought he wanted to get in her pants and now that she's finally like you can get in my pants he's he's yeah it seemed like she was starting to warm up to the idea but not like hot for teacher well now that other women find him attractive i feel it betrays her but maybe that's just me He's dancing with her, and then she picks up some fucking Sly Stallone-looking motherfucker, and they're dancing. And she's just using, you know, it's fucking heartbreaking. (laughs) (laughs) And so Nick Nolte's just tonguing on this broad, and they leave. And then I guess they're supposed to meet at a diner. Yeah. So he rolls in at like 4 a.m., and she's just passed out. And uh, They wouldn't have thrown her out. It's an all-night diner. Yeah, but you can also go to sleep at the diner. The guy that works there is sleeping. Did you notice that? And he goes to get the donut. The guy, he looks like the line cook. I don't know if there's a waitress. He's passed out. This place doesn't make sense. It does. If I saw a waiter, I know how things work. He he reveals that he's got some info. And it's detailed info. So it's it's clear that he didn't just hook up with this chick. And he even says, I didn't sleep with her. And then one of the killers walks in. The guy from Hanging with the Homeboys with uh, John Leguizamo from 1991 or 92. And probably a bevy. He's probably from, like, The Last Boy Scout. You know? He's been in quite a few things. Nick Nolte takes note of him. So they're talking incredibly loud, um, <laughs> detailing their plans and what they know. And then Nick Nolte looks in a mirror or something, and he notices that the guy's gone. It's a piece of pie. It's a smoking cigarette. Yep, still smoldering. Similar to when he was in the elevator scene. Mm-hmm. The front desk is a coffee and a cigarette, but nobody's to be found. So he grabs her. He's like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> She's like, okay, what? And they get into their car and they peel out. And uh, she's like, what is going on? He's like, I got a bad feeling. Sure enough, he's in the back seat. Yep. And he puts a gun on her. It was a trick. And he's like, now you drive. And he even says to Julia Roberts, because, again, this is 1994, even though they're already in the car and it's moving, hey, why don't you put your seatbelt on? <laughs> uh, which you'd think then the bad guy would be wise enough to say, I, I should probably put mine on, too. Yeah. Cause something- well, but if he hits the brakes, then he can't shoot him because the seatbelt holds you in place when you hit the brakes. Right, but then you also don't. Crack your head against both windows. When you probably should have gone uh, flying out one of the windows. I thought he was just going to crash into a tree. Lackluster. 
Which probably would kill all of them, to be honest. Possibly. If he's falling 130, yeah. Yeah, that was really terrifying. You know, you drop it down to 50 and just go into a tree. They're always crashing into trees in these movies, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> you do this, I'm pretty sure. He spins out of control, and the guy whaps his fucking face against both windows, and he's out. And she goes, is he, should I go through his pockets? And he goes, well, is he dead? She goes, I don't think so. Then I wouldn't. Gotta get his skin off of him and then we can disguise ourselves. <laughs> so they open up the door and throw him out. And then they... They go into the belly of the beast, right? Or no, 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 no. This I is think... They get stuck in the woods. This is, this is... Why are they driving in the woods? I don't know. Suddenly, they're on a, a road. We got this guy out of the car. Yep. Now let's drive directly into Just the Just into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a hard cut to them driving in the woods. It almost feels like, boy, they forgot to add something. Or they were like, we're already at two hours. Let's just cut to them driving in the woods for no reason. Doesn't he make a comment about the road, too? And then suddenly they're... He drives over, yeah, a branch in the cars. Is it a branch or more of a log? It's a log. (laughs) So then they're walking in the woods. He's got a shirt on his head because it's, like, hot, I guess. And every time they're walking together, that's them together. But when they're talking to one another, in a, in a, it's it's them talking to the body doubles. And not only that, but you can tell that it's just like they just brought in a tree and some fog and called it a day. They're not even outside in their close-up. And, and it's just dumb. And they're out there for like a day. They're bickering. and Do they sleep? They don't sleep. It's nighttime when they're out no, there. No, because... It's daytime when the Boy Scouts discover them. Yeah, so he's like, Peterson, what's that over there? And it's a lake. So he goes to pick berries for some reason. Cherries. I am hard pressed to think that those probably would be inedible poisonous berries. They look like they cherries. cherries. They didn't look like cherries too. They did not. And she's like, man, he's the one to get shower in sixteen yeah. hours. I'm gonna get into a lake. dirty ass Wisconsin lake <laughs> where you can get swimming bacteria that eat your brain. Now you hear about that. He comes back with the berries, and she's like, oh, I'm naked in here. And he's like, oh, you're naked in there, and turns around. And she's like, don't look, don't look. And so she gets her clothes, and she's walking behind them, when all of a sudden, uh, much like One Crazy Summer, a bunch of Boy Scouts come out of the woods. But naked. Honey, we've been rescued. And it's funny, because it's like, here's Boy Scouts, and then here's some with a canoe, and then here's the, you know, it's like a whole production. And... She is lying about not having read his book, which he knows she has. So he starts pretending as if he's no longer going to shelter her from the uh, watchful eyes of these Boy Scouts. She's still naked. And she's like, okay, okay, I read your book, I read your book. And he's like, you guys got cameras? And they're like, yeah. And he just walks off and exposes her to all of these children. I see her actual clothes for like a split second when he moves away. I mean, she's holding them to her. She's clutching her. But, I don't know, maybe her coach is showing. (laughs) I'm going to cover my breasts. Which is what she was doing. But I want them... Anyways. Are we fast-traveling to the pharmacy, the lab, for how much... much... No, because... What's next? (laughs) Why are we not at the lab? Apparently, they're going to go back home. But she discovers that he's got blonde ladies past. Access card. Oh, God. Yeah, this is the whole thing. And he discovers... Oh, so they go talk to this old man. And he's, like, dying, and he can't speak. And his wife is like, Hey, um, Julia Roberts, here's a disc, a floppy disc with some information on it. 
oh, he's in the bathroom, but he's not. He's looking in his files. And he... So his plan is he uh, pickpockets the disc, and he's got the access card. He's feigning as if he's returning home, but he's not. He's going to go back to the lab. It's another double-crossed psycho. And she knows this. We don't know that she knows that he took the disc. Because when he shows up there, who's the tour guide? Kevin Bacon. Julia Roberts. She got, a, she got a job there as a tour guide. What? Yeah. She's got a ponytail. She's really nerdy looking. I'd like to point out a few of the everyday products created here at Chess. For example, the cold medicine, which I forgot to take this morning. You didn't? You don't remember that? Man, I didn't even drink watching them. But then they're talking and he's like, why are you here? She's like, well, I know you've got that access card. So I figured you'd be coming back here. Well, I also got the disc. And she's like, that's not the real disc. I got a job in three hours. And I work here now, so I'm not even in training. I'm the tour guide. I'm going to get you kicked out. Because, right, like, she got the... It's... It doesn't sink into my brain watching this one. Yeah, so she's like, I'm going to have you thrown out. And he goes, Peterson, why would you do that? She's like, you're right. I'll just do what you would do. And then it jumps cuts to him being thrown out. And she's in the lab now. For some reason, I think Nick Nolte is dead. Oh, because he's... He calls Saw Rubinick after they part ways. Because he wants to, I don't know, do something. And they are like, oh, we're going to have to transfer you to the desk at the Capitol building. He's not wherever you're calling. Fine, okay. So then they're like, yeah, who are you calling for? And he's like, I'm calling for Saul Rubinick. And uh, she's like, oh, okay, that's extension 307. Remember that? <laughs> I can tell. On the envelope that he found in the trash at Clark Gregg's, CJ's house earlier in the movie when he discovers the Christmas card that reveals that Hooch wasn't, in fact, his wife, and he's got a different wife, whom we don't know what happens to. She must be dead. And his children? And him. I guess. So, on the envelope, it's written 307. 309. 307. 307. So then when he realizes that the extension is 307, he knows the something's amiss. Yeah. Which is why he then goes to Julia Roberts' aid. With no weapon. But for some reason, I think he's dead or gave up. I think because he told Saul, he's like, I'm not fucking with this anymore. So they're like, eh, he's washed up. Exactly. So she's snooping, and Saul Rubinick, like, just shows up. Mm-hmm. She hears something, looks, and when the camera pans back, he's just there. She doesn't hear his loafers or the door he comes in. And just starts being a creep. Big time. Too bad. But a definite A for effort, Peterson. Because he... Did the bad guy. Is... The bad guy. The South American guy that they've been the looking Vargas. for. Vargas. Vargas, Vargas. Vargas, Vargas. And he's the main bad guy. You think it's the senator lady. Because he mentions Vargas. It seems like she's a bad guy. Is she involved? In their... I don't... She never shows up again. Because when they're in his office... And he says Vargas out loud. She looks at her as an associate. Yeah. Is that the old guy? The cancer guy? No. Okay. But he's there now. The cancer guy is there. Yeah. Um, Because they're like, we're going to kill you. And Nick Nolte's in the raft. Oh, holy Christ. We missed... <laughs> oh, no. Quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, no. That's a terrible thing to say. What do you mean we missed quite a bit? Yeah, because when they go... They go to Nevada after getting out of the woods, to talk to the scientist who's not able to communicate with them. And when they leave there... Yes, I have to pee. You oh. Talking. And when they, when they leave there, they realize they have to 
change their clothes for some reason. They get cowboy gear. And then they see the the tall man and they're like, oh shit, the bad guy's following us. He's here now. So they're he's chasing them through the old um strip in Vegas with the with the cowboy neon sign. Yeah, I remember that. I'm Jason. And they end up going into a wedding chapel, which is where we get a lovely Eugene Levy uh cameo as the officiator of the wedding chapel. That lady is teammate Eugene Levy's. She's also in Shit's Creek with them. Oh, is that right? Is that his wife? Not in real life, I don't think. Okay. They're just good friends. I don't know, but they did another project 30 years later. Okay. Well, the bad guy goes into the wedding chapel. Because they're they're now wearing, like, some wedding gear. They're like, just give us the whole thing. He's got a yarmulke on. Which uh, Eugene uh, Levy pronounces as a... Yarmulke, if you so desire. In order to hide out from the bad guy. Because he's standing back in the back. He's like, I'm going to make sure that these aren't people I'm chasing. This is so fucking stupid. It's very stupid. (laughs) They get married. Which, common sense dictates. Wedding ceremonies are complete bullshit. You are not legally married until you obtain a marriage license from the government. And you have to consummate the night of. Otherwise, you think the basis to have an annulment. Mm -hmm. And so then they go to a honeymoon suite to hide out. And it's at this point where they kiss. Are they not... Do you, they didn't. They didn't do the sex. You don't think, or what do you think they did? You think they did the sex? I have a question. Mm-hmm. Julia Roberts mm-hmm. chased in these movies. We never see her. She's a nice lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's a classy lady in these movies. I think that's part of her appeal, right? Anyway, so six. So they're married now. Yes, and they're having a dinner, and he goes, "I already looked. We can get it in old." In under 24 hours. And she's like, oh, good. I'm glad you, 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 did, you did look that up. Okay, good. And uh, she's like, I'm, I'm just going to go to bed. You want to go to bed? Okay. What side are we sleeping on? And he's like, well, we're sleeping in shifts. That's a pretty good note. That is pretty weird. We're sleeping, got in, we're sleeping in shifts. Remember that? <laughs> That's pretty good, man. Huh? <laughs> and then she, he, he tucks her into the heart-shaped bed. Yeah. And she grabs his robe. Like, I was thinking maybe you could... Fuck me. <laughs> and they kiss. And it's, you know, not terrible. Nick, sit on my face. I want to eat your man ass. <laughs> I want you to fart. I want you to put your butt directly against my stomach and give me raspberry. You smell like cigars. You smell like you lived in a bar. Before the GHB, Dillison. Make love to me. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I guess... It's possible that they consummated the marriage. It's possible. I think, yeah. So she's then, not that kind of girl. What the fuck do they do at this point? Because something happens. That's when she finds the badge, and she—I think she's under the impression that maybe either he lied to her, which he did, or he got the badge because he did, in fact, sleep with that blonde, yeah. which is possible. So she's all like cold at this point. And then they go their separate ways because he's like, uh, "You don't want me." <laughs> you're good. Ah. Uh, do me a favor, he says. I, I, don't, I don't remember what the favor is. Oh, could you kiss me? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Boy, so jump forward to him now saving her. He throws the wedding ring down to try to catch her attention, but it's carpeted. <laughs> it just lands, and she doesn't hear it. Then chill for a lady about to be killed. Thank you. She's fucking man. Yeah, that's fine. But everybody, tell me, tell me what your mastermind story. And he does. 
Uh, but so then the guy picks up the ring because he's like, what the hell's a wedding ring doing in this laboratory? Why is he selling pickles? <laughs> I'm going to set it on the table. <laughs> and so then she sees it and she picks it up and she knows what's up. She looks up and she sees what's up. Yeah. Nick Nolte. It's very, you, if you just look up there, you'll see him. But then there's a weird little moment where Saul Rubinick looks at her with the wedding ring and she magic tricks it away. Right. And he's now not. You see it, now you don't. And, he, and you think he'd be like, there's somebody else here. It's Nick Nolte. Right? But no. What does he do? Peterson, get down or something. And he like turns off the lights. Well, yeah. Or something. Hay over first. But yeah. What do you... Then it's a goat. He knocks over the hay and they look up and it's a goat. Cause... So when he turns off the lights, she escapes? She like gets away? I think they're like, go up there. Yeah, they end up up top. And he rustles with the dude and throws him over, I think, and kills him. And then they're on a, a rafter. I keep making it sound like they're, like, up in the attic, the, the part you're not supposed to be. Well, they're on, like, a scaffold. It's a scaffolding, yeah. it's. I mean, it's still usable. You're supposed to use it. I don't know why it sways like it does in this movie. That's a little bizarre. Yeah. And so, Rubenek's like, I'm going to kill you. He's on the thing with them. Because she has the gun. And she she's popping off some shots. And she's like, uh, guess what? I'm actually really good at shooting. Cause, because... It's the 90s, and women should be taking self-defense classes. That was actually a really good line. Wasn't it? I liked that, yeah. Uh, eventually, Nick Nolte, of course, saves the day. He hits the lever, and um, the scaffolding drops on one side. It's not a scaffolding. It's, is it a scaffolding? You call it a rafter? What do you no, call that? it's not a rafter. It's more of a scaffolding. Is it a belfry? What are they in? So Saul Rubinick falls to his death, and she almost falls to her death. But she catches herself in the last moment, and... Also, the microfiche, which is in the pen that she's been had, she's had this whole time. Yep. We've seen it. You have the proof of everything right there. It's in the movie more than Keith Gordon is. This fucking pen. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, the microfiche is in there. So they basically expose this government thing where I guess. Is it government related? Well, that's what the synopsis says. I don't know if it's, if it's, if Saul well, Rubinick. I guess it's because of Saul Rubinick. Is he using the senator or are they working to get, it's, it seems like Gus Frank. Like, he's so fucking nefarious, right? He was like a South American at Yale who somehow managed to recreate himself and expunge the existence of him having ever been there. And he's pretending to be a congressional aide, but he's spending all of her money on stakes. So they then write the story of their lives. Both. Yeah, they both do stories. Both newspapers. Yeah. And then they're now in very much in love, living together. The dog that he got her earlier. Remember that? He, yeah. he got her a, a dog so that it can pee on her newspaper. That was some co- comedian that delivered that dog. Was it? The name of that dog is Trouble. Because they love... Is that right? Look. You know, I got a, a real feel. It felt like the thin man at the end. It's a man and a wife. Do you know what that is? The thin the man? Orson Welles movie? No. The bad guy in this one of the guys named is the thin man. You call him the tall man. He's the thin man. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Because the thin man was um an old serial from the 40s, uh, where it was a man and a woman who solved crimes together, and they had a dog named Asta. So at the end here, it very much felt. Is that where they get the guy gets cursed by the the gypsy and keeps getting thinner and thinner? Yeah. And then, and then, um, Stephen King writes his autobiography. So that's, I love trouble. Yeah. I really hated the ending. It was so cutesy and. Like when they battled the bad guys? No, no, no. When they're in their apartment. And then there's like an accident outside. 
So Julia Roberts runs to the window and starts writing down notes. Yeah. And Nick Nolte spins around and is like, kiss me. And they start kissing. And then he's looking at it and he's writing notes. And she grabs it and she's like, no, fuck me in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. Then I liked it. Yeah. And then I didn't like it. I think there's a decent um, movie in there. It would have been interesting, I suppose, if... Because uh, they had to rework this movie mm-hmm. uh, when they realized... It was X, one of the things we described. Yeah, because it was supposed to be more like what I think the ending hinted towards. And they were like, this isn't going to work. I wonder if they filmed that end stuff earlier in the production schedule. And then shit started to fall apart. I would give this movie a five. I'd give it a six, bro. Yeah. Um, I'd give for too long. I'd give Julia Roberts an eight. I think they're both pretty good. Yeah. It's unfair to be as critical as I am of. Nick Nolte, I think, because he does deliver. Okay. All right, so I give this movie a five. You give it a six. Yeah. Keith Gordon, I'm going to give it a ten. Yeah. Who would have thought? Fucking tens across the board. God damn it. I want to know what Andy's doing. Yeah. Let's, you and me, we're going to write some scripts. Mm-hmm. Fucking 24 episode season. Yeah, right. Andy, the photographer, he's in his 60s, mm-hmm. still works for the same newspaper. Yep. We're going to have to have Keith grow out his hair again. We'll give him away. This movie went on too long. It didn't need to be nearly as long. But it was interesting enough. It's not amazing. They make movies like this. It's, if they make movies like this, nobody watches them anymore. They're the, yeah. crap. The problem is is that I, I really preferred the investigative aspects of it. Yeah, that was when I felt hooked in. That's when I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this movie. Oh, this is my kind of life. Yeah, and I even liked their at-odds-with-each-other sort of chemistry. Yeah. I, the wedding, the romance, I mean, all that shit. God, if they would have, I mean, they couldn't have, but if they would have just, um, foregone any elements of romance. Right. And like, if they could have like less scenes of Nolte eating cans of tuna, and not even using a fork, just cracking them open and stuffing that oily mm-hmm. smoke. Yeah. I like that it was in Madison. Yeah. You do seem to get represented. I mean, it's, it's weird. Cause I, been to places that are f- from movies. You've been two places. <laughs> yeah. I've been two places. Here and Madison. And they don't film movies in your house, Jason, so mm-hmm. at least not to get the movies I'm about to watch. Well, I'm going to have Nick Nolte over here. So it's, just, it's just weird seeing... It's one thing to go somewhere that, that a movie was filmed in. Um, it's like with Contagion. Um, they filmed like one scene in an old parking lot that I used to be affiliated. Seeing it in real life, it's like, I'm in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I went to a diner once in San Pedro that, uh, apparently they had used in the revamped Perry Mason. Oh, uh, yeah. You ever watched that? I watched the first episode and said I'm never watching this. With the guy from, yeah, like Spies? It's the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dan Aykroyd. So, that was an instance where I had gone somewhere yeah. and been somewhere that was in something, even though I didn't know it. If she didn't say anything, I wouldn't even have known. No. I don't want to show. I like seeing, like, I don't know, places that I've been that are just dumb places. My fucking bank. But it's in a movie. Yeah. 10 out of 10? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. God, this is... <laughs> four hours? <laughs> just about. Four? We're almost at I Love Trouble feature, like, Okay, listen, everybody, we doing film, we doing filmographies, mm-hmm. Instagram, email us. Yep. Uh, we doing filmographies. Gmail. Gmail.com, yeah. Yeah, you know what else? 
Twitter. We films. <laughs> filmography. <laughs> I think it's two filmographies. Yeah. Well, I give Jules a call. 763-634-1897. Presumably, this is on a number of podcast formats. Right? right? Like, is this, this is on like iTunes and like, uh, Stitcher, Google, <laughs> Google Podcasts? It's on <laughs> AM1940, uh, channel. I think you put it on GeoCities and it goes everywhere. Mm. Yeah. So write us. Hit me on the angel. That's what I'm saying. Give us a five or give us a, <laughs> give us a four out of ten. Make sure, make, I, make sure you give us a like. Yeah, like us. Uh, Mr. Sunday Movies on Twitter. And uh, this is my friend, Marcel the Shell. James Meso. Yeah, we got, I gotta go have a cigarette. This is, yeah. We've been doing this for two hours? One hour and 46 minutes. Which, once I edit it down, will probably be about 46 minutes. Should I not drink for these? No, no. I had a good time. No, this is a good yeah, one. This... Hey, if this is a long one, well, it's a long one. Yeah. I'm not even gonna edit them anymore. I'm just gonna load them up. Put their raw audio on there. Mm-hmm. So you do me. Farts and all. I've been Julian. And I've been James Woods. Good night. We Doing Filmographies is proud to be a part of the Now Playing Network. Find other great podcasts at nowplayingnetwork.net. Like Tracks of the Damned, where host Patrick Ripley goes full commentary mode on a bucket of horror movies. Tracks of the Damned at nowplayingnetwork.net.